Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us. That means if you've never been to church, if you walked away from church, or have struggled to find a church home, we were started for you. For more information about Collective and how to join us on a Sunday morning, please head to www.mycollective.church. So I want you to think of the best Christmas present that you've ever received. The gift that when you opened it, you were speechless, maybe you cried, you couldn't even keep opening gifts because you were so fixated on the one that you had just received. And I want you to share it with the person next to you. Go ahead and tell somebody around you the best gift you ever see, received, the one that you tell all your stories about. So for me, a few things come to mind, but the gift that sticks out the most was when I was in elementary school. So I was in first or second grade, and my whole family was sitting in our living room opening gifts one person at a time, because that's what good people do. They don't go crazy and open them all up at once like sociopaths. And when my turn came up, my dad walked into the room, and he wheeled out a brand new bike. It was black. It had, like, green paint splatter on it. It had a green seat, and it was awesome. I freaked out. Because up to that point, I'd only been able to ride hand-me-downs from my brother, most of which had seats that were torn, were one skid away from a tire popping, and had a little bit of a frame that was a little bit mangled. And so I was excited, so excited that I had no interest in opening up any of the other gifts under the tree. Instead, I began to beg my parents to go outside and ride it. And still in my pajamas, I threw on a coat and wheeled the bike out to our backyard and onto a parking lot that was behind our house. And even though it was early Christmas morning and it was cold, I didn't care. I was just so excited to ride my own bike. But on that day, do you know who had the most fun? It was my parents. Because it's great to receive a good present, but it's even far more fun to give a great present. Now, I love Thanksgiving. Like, I, for those of you who skipped over Thanksgiving went straight to Christmas, this might not be your church, people. Come on. Thanksgiving is the best holiday. But I love Thanksgiving, but I'm actually excited more so than usual for Christmas this year. And not because I have anything on my list that I want. I don't even have a list. It's because Elise, my daughter, is finally old enough to understand how magical Christmas can be. And she's been asking us for months for a bike. And I can't wait to see the joy on her face on Christmas Day when I wheel it in from the other room. And see, I've learned this truth, and you've experienced this truth, that the Bible quotes Jesus as saying, you should remember these words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. And that word blessed, we don't really say it that often unless you Instagram a ton, right? Hashtag blessed. But that word means happy. Jesus teaches us that you will be happier giving than you will be receiving. And this isn't like a prosperity gospel thing that's gotten really popular lately. Jesus isn't saying that if you give, your blessing will be financial, Right? Like it could be, but that's not, it's not indicative. It's not saying this, if this, then this. He's not saying your happiness will come in the form of a bag full of money. Right? We all wish that was true. That's the reason why people who preach that way, those churches are really big. Right? We're all waiting at home for that bag full of money. But Jesus is teaching you that giving will bring you more contentment. Giving will bring you more hope. Or maybe you'll be blessed in ways that you never imagined. Right? Like in ways that you didn't even expect. And most of you, if you're being honest with yourself, deep down inside, you know this. You feel this. For the last two years, we've sent teams to Mirbalay and Haiti to work with a local church plant. Actually, one of the pastors was here last week sharing about that. And our sole goal is to serve the communities that we partner with. But do you know what happens every single time we send a team? The people from Collective that go get way more out of it than the people that we serve. 
In fact, we say we're going to help our Haitian friends introduce people to Jesus, but two of the people who have gone to Haiti showed up wondering if God was even real. And while they were there, their lives were changed. And just last month, on the day we actually launched two services, both of them put their faith in Jesus and were baptized. You know, they received way more than they will ever be able to give. That's why we keep sending teams. That's why we're sending another team this summer. We announced it officially last week. We're going to go at the end of June or the beginning of July. If you want to learn more about that trip, you can sign up in the lobby on the iPads, and we'll follow up with you. When we serve in Frederick, our sole goal is to show the transforming love of Jesus to our community. And we do that through the first-time guest gifts, through collecting thousands of pounds of food, through packing meals for food and secure kids. But do you know what happens every single time? We get way more out of it than what we put into it. We get better relationships with our neighbors and our friends and our community. We get to see the joy on kids' faces as we help them paint Frederick Rocks as they begin to hide them around town or get their face painted. We get to teach or treat teachers with honor and watch them pour themselves out in this school in a way that can only be described as humbling. We get way more out of it than what we put into it. To be honest, that's why we challenge you to join the team at Collective and to serve with others, to join this great mission, to become a part of every single life that's changed here to pull yourselves out for people to experience the grace and truth of Jesus. But do you know what happens, though? When people join the team, they get more out of it than what they pour into it. And they pour a lot into it. Our team shows up at 6.50 a.m. and serves back-to-back services every other week. It's tough. But the people who do it will tell you that their closest friends are the people they serve side-by-side with. There are multiple people on the team here at Collective that are going through a divorce, have had a rough spot in their marriage, but they don't know what's next, or are fighting for their marriage. And those people will tell you that they do not feel alone, that, the people, that they have people walking alongside them, praying for them, loving them. They have people that are there for them because it's like family, because you get way more out of it than what you put into it. Today, we actually have an opportunity to experience this firsthand. So Collective is providing 75 full Thanksgiving meals for families of students here at West Frederick Middle School. We did this last year. Actually, we did 40 meals, and we ended up collecting an additional 1,500 pounds of food. So we're doing it again. But I expect our church to step up, right? Because last year when we did it, we had one service. This year we have two. So we expect more, and so we want to bless more families. On your way out of church today, you'll be handed a dark blue reusable grocery bag with a grocery list inside of it. We're asking you to buy everything on that list. You can buy more. You can buy five times as much. You can take as many bags as you want. There's also additional items that the school asked us to bring that you can buy as well. But ultimately, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our church to love families and and students here at this school by giving them a Thanksgiving that they might not have been able to have. And the reason why we do this as a church is because we recognize it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's why throughout Scripture, God cultivates generosity in the lives and the hearts of his people. You know, God wants what is best for you. That's true in every aspect of your life, and that also includes your finances. And so last week we talked about debt. God does not want you to be in debt because that makes you slave to the lender. And scripture teaches you that getting out of debt will lead to a better life. That if you do that, we won't be held prisoner by bills or financial emergencies. We are free to give, free to spend, free to enjoy others and impact others. But in order for that to happen, we have to submit to scripture and let God lead. We have to trust what God is saying. And so today we're going to take it a step further and we're going to talk about the difference between generosity and just giving. Jesus wants us to be generous and he reinforces the message of the entire Bible and that he wants you to be a generous person. And listen, I know that as soon as I, we start talking about money or if you're here last week or, you know, you say generosity, some of you are tensing up. You know, maybe your heart's beating a little bit faster or you're looking around trying to plan your escape. Because you've heard this talked about in a church in a manipulative way, or maybe you struggle and you're just greedy. 
Or maybe this is your first time at Collective and you're wondering, is this something that they always talk about? It's not. In fact, this is the first time in 14 months as a church that we've existed that we've talked about generosity. But we said this last week, we aren't going to pass offering baskets anymore as a church. You can still give. You can do it online at mycollective.church, or you can drop it off in the gray baskets as you leave church today. But this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't passive aggressive. This is just us trying to learn what God teaches about giving and generosity, even though it makes us uncomfortable, and even though we don't like to talk about finances. But no matter how you feel about this, here's my challenge. Will you listen with an open mind? Will you hear what God knows? And will you hear what you really know is the best way for you to live? So let me start by asking this question. Are you generous or do you just give? Now ask yourself, am I generous or do I just give? Because there's a big difference between the two. And all of us give in some way, but not all are generous. And it's hard because if someone asks you when the last time you were generous, you immediately have a specific time, right? Like especially around the holiday season, you start thinking, oh, well, you know, I dropped some things here. I, I did this thing online. I did this. We all have that thing where we were like, oh, we're a generous person because this one time I fill in the blank. Right? Every single person in this room could think of a time when they gave something to someone or some organization. But the question is, are you generous or do you just give? Here's the first difference between generosity and just giving. Generosity is logical. Just giving is emotional. Now, if I, want to, if I want someone to give one time, if I want them to just give, I can play a sad song, I can tell a sappy story, and I can manipulate emotions into getting them give. It's kind of like this, right? Here's a dog staring out a window. It's sad, and if you don't give money right now, this dog will die. So, but here's the thing though, this, this ad, which is about 20 years old, which is why we just used an image, like the, the commercial is so old. I was like, I'm not torturing you all with that. But this ad over the course of its history has raised $30 million for the ASPCA. It's the most successful fundraiser that they've ever had. It was put out in the 90s and yet this room full of people will know, I know exactly what that is, right? Because they are playing on people's emotions to get people to give. And I get it. Sometimes, though, we feel like churches do this too. If you don't give to these churches, they will die. This isn't real, by the way. Would would this work? No. So the thing is, like, this is the way we feel when we go to church. Like, we feel like it's all based on emotions. We feel like, okay, they're going to guilt me into doing this thing. But generosity is logical. Just giving is emotional. I don't know how to drink water while I'm preaching, guys. So we're just going to sit for a second while I do this. But the thing is, we don't want to play on emotions. Generosity is a planned decision on what you want to impact. It's thought out. It's decided before the opportunity to be generous arises. This is why we're not passing offering baskets anymore. We said this last week. We want you to choose to give, not because we remind you. Not because the baskets being passed make you feel bad or a certain way and because you don't give. Not because you see people around you and you feel pressure. We don't want that to happen at all. If you choose to give... We want you to make it a decision before you ever show up. We want it to be a pre-planned thing. And so as a church, we want to create a specific space for you to be generous and not just give. And this is something I've wrestled with for a really long time. We said this last week. Anybody on our management team, which are the pastors that kind of help us and lead us and all that stuff, they say this is a really bad idea. But I recognize that what we're doing is we're creating culture for you to give based on our reminder. But Jesus says, like, it's something that we plan out. It's something that we choose to do ahead of time. Generosity is a planned decision on what you want to impact. Generous people don't go through life giving as an emotional response. Generous people plan and think ahead. They think, what's log- what is the logical thing for me to give to? What's the logical thing for me to make a big impact? What's the logical thing for the amount that I want to give? 
Think about this when it comes to debt. Americans have a combined $927 billion in credit card debt. That's over $15,000 per person. But most of that debt came as a response to emotional decisions. It was an emotional place that put us into deeper and deeper into debt. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And this is really important because what this is saying, what Paul is saying in this is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't give out of guilt. If you are a follower of Jesus, you don't give out of emotional response to something or pressure. If you're a follower of Jesus, you decide what's logical and that's what you do. And here's why that matters. Stats will actually show you over time that in the long haul, when you look at the long-term big picture of generosity, those who pre-plan what to give always, always, 100% of the time, outgive those who just give as emotions lead them. And so if you want to be a truly generous person, follow your logic and not your emotions. Second difference is if you are generous, it is consistent. If you just give, it's sporadic. Generous people are consistent. 1 Corinthians 16 says, on the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Paul, what he's doing is he's writing to a church and he's saying and encouraging them to be consistent in their generosity, right? In this story later, Paul ends up showing up in the church and what he's saying is, don't just give because you see me. Plan it out, make it a part of your life, make it a discipline that you have. To be honest, this is why I give online. In fact, most people at Collective do give online. But I set it up, I put it on repeat every month because I want to be consistent. I don't give when my emotions strike. It's there, it's happening every month. And listen, I know there are people that like writing that check and dropping in. You feel like that's your act of worship in that. But if you're anything like me, there's going to be times when you forget. A few years ago, I was actually working at a church and I didn't want to give online. I wanted to drop that check and the offering each week. I wanted it to be an action that I took. And so my wife and I, we chose to give weekly, but things on Sunday would get busy. I wouldn't always be in service during offering, or to be honest, most of the time I would just forget. And I remember this one time I forgot to give, which again, isn't that big of a deal. So what I was going to do is I was just going to write a check for two weeks and bring it the next Sunday. But then I forgot again, and then again. And four weeks later, I remember sitting at home, getting ready to write out a check for the month that I missed, and the number was much larger than what I was used to. I began to convince myself that we couldn't afford to give that much. Even though if we were consistent, that's the exact same amount that we would have given. But I couldn't get out of my own head. That, so what I ended up doing is I just wrote a check for one week and skipped the other three and said, okay, we're just starting over again. And so that's why I do it online now, because I don't want to feel the tension of catching up or skipping. And it's much harder to give when you have missed a few weeks, even when you are already planning to be generous. Even when you pre-plan, if you skip a few weeks or if you miss a few weeks, that number gets really intimidating, right? Life happens. It makes us more hesitant to give. The third difference is that generosity is determined by percentage. Just giving is determined by an amount. One time Jesus is hanging out in the temple, which is the Jewish place of worship. And he looked up and he saw a bunch of rich people putting gifts into the offering baskets. And everyone's actually standing around when a poor widow walks in. In Mark 12, this is what it says. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him, his followers, and he said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. This is why even if you find out what someone gives, you wouldn't actually know if they're generous. And I could tell you that someone gave a million dollars to Collective. That didn't actually happen. It'd be great, but it didn't happen. But, but the question is, would they be generous? But what if I told you they made a billion dollars? Would they be generous then? 
You don't know because we don't know what else people give. If you just give, you think about an amount. If you're generous, you think about a percentage. This is why you can't say, I will be generous when I make a certain amount of money, because you won't. You won't do it because you're already thinking in terms of an amount and not a percentage. And this is why God teaches his people to tithe. Leviticus 27, he says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. He continues to say, count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. God teaches his people, those who follow him, that one-tenth of everything we have belongs to him. Jesus actually later in the New Testament commends the Pharisees in the New Testament for tithing. And listen, I know some people that will say, I don't think in the New Testament after Jesus we're commanded to tithe. And I think you're right. That is true. Like, we don't actually see it after Jesus. But I think we're called to do more because tithing is the baseline of generosity. And think about it like this. If you asked me if I'm a great husband and my response was, I haven't cheated on her, you would say, okay, that's good. I'm glad for that. But tell me what else you are doing to cultivate a healthy relationship. Because faithfulness is the starting point, not the ending point to being a great spouse. And so tithing is the starting point, not the ending point to being generous. I'm going to be really real with you for a second. I really struggle with this. In fact, I've been working on this whole series, and I've been wrestling with this idea of a tithe being a starting point the whole time. And there's a few reasons for that. The first is because I want to make excuses for myself. That's why I struggle with this. I want to make excuses for myself because until we started Collective, my wife and I never, never tithe. I worked at churches. I, I taught on it, never tithe. We gave, we gave pretty consistently, but it was never 10% because we would always say we're taking baby steps, right? We're still trying to figure this thing out. We're still trying to figure out our finances. We're trying, still trying to figure out what to do. And I knew God called for a tithe and I would even teach other people that, but I was afraid. The second reason why I struggle with this is because I wanna make excuses for you. Previously, I would have taught that you should simply give whatever you feel your heart is leading because I didn't really want to upset anyone, right? We're a new church. I don't want to tick you off and make you leave because we're talking about giving. I wouldn't have wanted to push you. And someone asked me about giving. What I'd like to say is if you're not giving anything, just give 1%, just give 2%, just grow in your generosity. But a friend of mine recently challenged, me, challenged that thinking and told me to compare it to marriage. See, from time to time, I have very serious conversations with individuals and couples about their marriage. And if you didn't know this, Collective is a church full of broken and messy people. It's why I love this church. It's why you will love this church. But people come to Collective who have had affairs, and they're working through it, and they want to know what their next step should be. But here's what I don't say. I don't say to the husband, just try to be a little bit less unfaithful. Don't have an affair as often. Or stop sleeping with as many people outside of your spouse as you're sleeping with right now. No, I tell them, shut it down. Delete the phone numbers, delete the apps. If your friend's on social media, delete that too. If you see her at, her at your job, quit your job, burn it to the ground. If she has your phone number, change it. You do whatever it takes to be completely faithful as you possibly can. That's the baseline for how you treat your spouse. And then once you have that faithfulness in place, we can begin cultivating a healthy relationship with some next steps. And similarly, I shouldn't be telling people that if you aren't giving that, you should just give 1% or 2%. I shouldn't do that. Because honestly, I've become convicted that this is just being a little bit less unfaithful than we already are. I'm giving people the opportunity to have an excuse to be less faithful than what God calls us to be. But tithing is the baseline of generosity. Start at the baseline and grow from there. Now, parents, this is extremely important that you teach your children as soon as you can. Every dollar that comes through their hands, they give 10%, they save 10%, they live on the rest. Because they won't be fighting the battles a lot of us are fighting right now. 
The reason why we feel tension about this is because for some of us, we weren't taught growing up, or for some of us, we ignored what we were taught growing up. But the reason why this is hard for us is because we want to be generous, we want to give, we want to get out of debt, but we've made bad choices. And the thing is, what we do is we dishonor God because of our bad choices. So if you are a parent or you want to have kids one day, this is the foundation you set with them when it comes to their finances. Give them a better opportunity than what you have right now. Now, if you are generous, it's out of obedience, but if you just give, it's convenience. Now, we don't like the word obedience. We want to be critical thinkers, but those things aren't mutually exclusive. Instead, what our critical thinking has led us to realize is that we can't do life on our own, that I need help, that I'm broken. And Jesus rose from the dead after predicting to do so, so he seems like a pretty good person to rely on. If he can give me grace and truth to live my life, if he can help me live freely and lightly, then I will obey him, no questions asked. I don't know if you pay really close attention or you've been here during one of our baptisms, but every single time we do it, people say a phrase straight out of Scripture. People will repeat, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. The word Lord means that Jesus is your leader. You're pledging loyalty and obedience to him in every aspect of your life for the rest of your life. And the reason you give your life to Jesus is because you realize that you can't do life on your own and you need someone else to pick you up and carry you. But just giving means if it works for me, I will do it. Just giving means if I'm emotionally stirred, I will do it. Just giving means if I can see a direct benefit to me, then I'll do it. But we want to be generous, not because we have warm and fuzzies, but because Jesus is my Lord, he is my leader, he is my commander, he is my king. When a soldier gets orders, he doesn't sit down and deliberate what he should do. He sits down and says, yes, sir, and then obeys. And because of God's track record, I know that he has our best interests at heart. So I don't second guess him when he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now listen, obedience is only really obedience when you don't understand or you disagree or it's hard. If it's something you want to do anyways, it really isn't obedience. You're just doing what you want. So we need to choose to trust that he's going to use our generosity for greater things beyond what any humans can do. And what God does, and I love this, he actually doubles down on this. He tells people, put me to the test. Like he says, okay, you're not sure, you're not sure you can trust me, okay, test me in this. But here's really, something really important that I want to point out. If you are a follower of Jesus, uh, or you, you know, you'd say you're a Christian, a lot of the times Christian people will hear this voice, uh, verse, and they love that I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. We love that right? Like that's what we put up on Facebook. That's what we might put in our house. That's what we think every time like we drop something into the basket. We love that. But Christians also ignore the bring the tithes into the storehouse. God is saying when you give 10% a tithe and you bring it to the storehouse, his church, then he will pour out his blessing. That's when he says, test me in this. But understand it's not on your terms, but his. Because I know way too many Christians who sporadically give or emotionally give, and then they wonder, where is God? Like they do it when it's in passing or really when they're in trouble, that's when they decide to do it. And they wonder, where, where are you? God, I'm testing you in this. Why aren't you showing up? But God is clear. The question is whether or not we obey. God very clearly says, you give 10% and then put me to the test. It doesn't go the other way around. The next difference, if you just give, you focus on money. If you're generous, you focus on mission. Andy Stanley is a preacher in Georgia, and he says it this way. He says that you should be generous out of a grateful heart and a broken heart. You should be generous out of a grateful heart and a broken heart. If you just give, it's about you and what you are doing. 
If you are generous, it's about what that money can accomplish. And this is the difference between giving because you can afford it and giving because it matters. One really cool thing this week on Tuesday, we're actually baptizing two people at one of our small groups. And you have to understand, when we started Collective, we did this because we are in the life-saving business. We all fall short. We all sin. We all separate ourselves from God. We will give an account for what we did on this earth. There is a heaven and there is a hell, but there is also a Savior whose name is Jesus. And so our mission as a church is to let as many people as we can know that there is hope found in him that he loves you, that you're not in trouble. Just come to him with humility and he will give you grace. He will give you life. He will fill you up. He won't neglect you or take advantage of you. He wants what is best for you. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his mission. So we will not stop until every person in Frederick or every person in Maryland has had a chance to hear that hope is available in Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we do what we do. The next difference is that people who are generous give out of trust, but people who just give, give out of fear. Now, do you give out of trust or fear? If you just give, you're afraid. Can I afford this? Am I giving too much? What am I going to have to get rid of in order to trust God in this way? But if you're generous, you trust that this is a logical decision. I'm doing this out of obedience. I've decided a percentage. So I trust that God is going to take care of me because he promises that he will. Right? Matthew 6, Jesus says this, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He continues, says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He continues, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And the reason why I trust God will take care of me, the reason why I trust the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 6 is because Jesus was raised from the dead. If God, our Father, can raise his son from the dead, he's going to be able to take care of us. And listen, this isn't about collective at all. Some people do tithe. They support what collective is doing. They, they, they love the mission. They love what we're a part of. But your obedience and your loyalty is to God. It's a reminder of God's provision in your life. Collective isn't going to provide for you the way God will or even the way that we wish we could, right? But the reality is the money isn't yours. It doesn't come with you to heaven. But you really should think about what your bank statement says about your faith in God. Do you trust him? Here's the last difference. If you're generous, it's out of joy, but if you just give, it's out of reluctance. Look at 2 Corinthians 9 again. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And listen, if you've been listening to the sermon and you're feeling manipulated, if you're feeling pushed, if you're angry, don't give. Seriously, like if you're mad at me right now, which is okay, don't give. It's, it's fine because that's not what God wants. That's not what we want for your life. What God wants is for us to give out of joy, and that's our hope as well. That's why we're trying to do it the way that we're doing it. But Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive, and you know this to be true. And we know this because of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can experience true life. And because of that, I want to be a generous person. I want to be a godly person. I want to experience true life. I want to walk in obedience to my Lord and my Savior. And that's what we want for you. Now, if you look at this whole list, everything that we just went through, there's one big difference between the two, and it's grace. 
And for some of you, this is a completely empty sermon. It's not because it's about money. It's because you've never said yes to the free gift of grace that Jesus is offering you, that he gave you, the debt that he paid. And if you haven't accepted that grace, we really want nothing more than for you to accept that. Because for you today isn't really about giving. It's about what God has given to you, what God is offering you, the payment that he wants to make for your sin. And so if you are in that place and you haven't accepted that gift yet, we'd love to be, help you with that. We'd love to walk you through that. You can check the box in your connection card about baptism because I want to talk to you about what goes on in your actions and your heart to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and walk with obedience in him. Because as a follower of Jesus, this is what I believe, that I've been bought with a price, and the price was God's own son. He died in my place before I ever knew that I needed him. He says the way that I was doing life wasn't working, so he says, come to me. I'll forgive you. I will make you new. I will show you the best way to do it. It's free and it's better than anything that this world can give you. Accepting that grace means making Jesus my Lord. And when you get to that place, when you've made that decision, that's when you can let Jesus lead. That's when you can be obedient to his teaching so you can live life to the full. I said this last week, and I'm gonna say it again. That's how we're gonna close. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? How is he challenging you? How is he pushing you? What are you wrestling with right now? What are you feeling right now, right? Like God is saying something to you, you feel something. What is he saying to you? And the second question is, what are you gonna do about it? Our God is a God who speaks, and if you listen, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you through your friends, through scripture, through the way you feel right now. And what are you going to do about it? Don't ignore it. Don't just sit there. Let's see the power of God unleashed in our lives, in our families, in our state, in our city. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, um, that you really truly want what's best for us, even though we don't like it. Um, God, even though it's confusing or it's difficult or it brings out emotions of frustration and pain or um, confusion, God, um, God, at the end of the day, uh, you know what's best and that's what you want. God, I pray this week as we wrestle with this idea of generosity or just giving, God, that you give us opportunities to really work through this. God, we know that you're speaking to us. We feel it. God, I just pray that as a church we can do something about it. God, that we don't leave here and shut it all down. We don't leave here and push it away. We don't leave here and ignore it. God, that we come back and really wrestle with what you're saying to us in our lives and what you want from us. And God, ultimately, we're just thankful that, that you asked for such a small piece of ourselves, but you gave every single thing you had. God, that you open up the gates and the floodgates for us, that you open up life for us, that you give us something so much more than what we really deserve. And God, we thank you and we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.